Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. The Incomparable, number 694, December 2023. Welcome back, everybody, to The Incomparable. I'm your host, Jason Snell, and this is an edition of the Old Movie Club, in which we talk about a movie... Well, it's more like the 50th anniversary movie club as we talk about 1973 and in particular a movie famous for one, for its last line of dialogue, but you know there's 96 and a half minutes before that happens. It's Soylent Green or if this was Jeopardy, what is people? Uh, let me join. Uh, spe- speaking of people, it's not Jeopardy, though, right? It's not clear. Jeopardy. Uh, speaking of which, uh, I have there are people here, and by the end of this episode, hopefully, none of us will have been turned into Soylent Green. Annette Weirster joins me. Hello. Hello. I would just like to say Tuesday is Soylent Green Day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Indeed, it is. Gene uh, McDonald is here. Hi, Gene. I can't believe I finally got to see this film. <laughs> you suggested it. I'm just going to say, know. you said, hey, <laughs> Soylent Green, a movie that, yeah, I haven't, hadn't seen either before uh, this episode, but. Okay. Uh, okay. Yeah. 50 year old uh, movie, a uh, big pop culture reference. Uh, might as well watch it. Monty Ashley's also here. Hello. Uh, just Monty. It's perfectly legal. It's perfectly legal. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Uh, Dr. Drang is here to talk about a movie that is, you know, 50 years old. That's uh, pretty on brand. Hello. Yeah. When I was a kid, food was food. <laughs> and uh, he loves a good light classical music. Philip Michaels. Yeah. An old movie that I didn't pick, huh? No, if you didn't pick any, it. If this is anyone other than Shelley Brisbane, you're stealing my bit. Yeah, that's right. 50, <laughs> it's a 50-year-old movie club, sort of. So mm-hmm. you're, you're here. It's sort of kind of makes it old movie yeah. club but not really why, i don't know why not why not hmm. sure why not uh so Silent green based on i didn't realize this based on harry harrison's novel make room make room which i know about but have never read this is an era of science fiction uh writers and other and and some scientists and some other people in the culture warning about the dangers of overpopulation which is definitely uh, part of this movie and very much part of the book. Uh, there were some other books around this time that were similar. Stand on Zanzibar comes to mind, where it was all about uh, overpopulation and ecological disaster. Um, greenhouse effect is mentioned in the movie. So like they, they uh, oh, I should mention it's set in the horrible future of 2022. <laughs> um, They're not uh, far off. Was the actual 2022 better or worse than this movie? Well, yeah, it's true. It's <laughs> tough call. I would say it was better, but I would say that if you brought somebody involved in the making of this movie to our 2022, they would probably say something like, so not 
not too bad, huh? Like I, I got it pretty close, didn't I? It's like not as not as extreme, but like this is a world beset with overpopulation and global warming, horrible pollution, food shortages. Um, it is, uh, yeah. It, if they had just said it in 2020, they would have been nailed it. Got it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It is. It is interesting to think about how uh, how it matches up with 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 reality and again it's not again reality is not as extreme as this but i didn't even mention the incredible um gap between uh the rich and the poor where the rich live in their little guarded communities that come with furniture great furniture by well, which sorry, we mean yeah w- women that come with the place that mm. that the men can keep or not as they do and of course it's it's the men who buy this just men buy these apartments anyway that is going on uh so there's there's the women who who are the furniture who come with a place uh charlton heston is a cop uh his his uniform appears to be a hat (laughs) (laughs) but he does have a badge a nice hat it also it also seems to be a cravat based economy that we're Mm -hmm. uh that we're working in in the future well you can't wear heavy outfits because it's just too hot you get so sweaty oh so sweaty it's just so hot. Charlton Heston. At one point, Charlton Heston takes a shower, which is a miracle because he doesn't have access to a shower. And he's like, ah, oh, this is so great. And he's got his rope or whatever. And he's like, oh, this is the best. Next scene, super sweaty again because, you know, what can you do? You can't escape it. It's just very hot. But the plot is funny. So I, having not seen this movie, all I know is Soiling Greenest People, right? Which, you know, it's kind of a bummer. That's, I guess, sort of the twist ending. But um, he's a cop investigating a murder and we see the murder. Of Joseph Cotton, <laughs> who is a a man who lives in an apartment with furniture, uh, and and it's Cheryl is her name, and he's got and a, a vid- body and a video game, Jason, and a video game that yep. looks very much like an Atari twenty six hundred game, which for a movie made in nineteen seventy three, I mean they they projected the future. It was only ten years in the future instead of fifty, but uh, but but pretty good. And of course, he's got a bodyguard. Chuck Connors, the rifleman himself, <laughs> is his bodyguard. Um, but they go to uh, they go out to do some shopping, and he uh, and there's a some some shady character has given a kid like a like a crowbar basically, and uh, and uh, told to to kill this guy. And when the, when the kid comes in, breaks into the the place to to kill him, uh, Joseph Cotton basically says, "Go ahead, I deserve it." <laughs> When the kid gets told to kill the, that guy, he says, if I live to be a hundred, I'll never understand this stuff. And the guy just says, you won't. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's yep. Yep. And so, so Charlton Heston's job as a, as a, uh, a, a, a police officer or a detective, I guess at the NYPD in this disastrous world is to investigate the murder, but there's so many murders and, also, I guess, you know, he might get paid, but mostly what you do when you're a cop and you investigate a rich guy's murder is take a bunch of stuff from his apartment. And and so he does. He takes soap. He takes food. Um, he, he takes all sorts of stuff. He, this, this was yeah. the part bourbon. of the movie that I liked. How, 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 a spoon how cor- later. He takes a spoon. How, cor- how corrupt everything is yeah. with the where where he's taking the stuff and he's got to give kickbacks to the to, to Brock Peters, crew his boss, and, yeah, and his boss, and, yep. the, and the guys and, who come and take the body. He has to give them a kickback too. Yes, 
Because Jason, you you know me, I can take or leave sci-fi, but I love the film noir, and this has a very film noirish element to it, where it's the kind of seedy detective guy right. trying to solve things and ends up finding himself on the the side of of good against his better judgment, and so <laughs> yeah. that part of the movie I liked. Yeah, yeah, I I agree. That is, I mean, like we. The movie up front is like, hey, here's Charlton Heston. He's our he's our star. Uh, he's going to steal a bunch of stuff. <laughs> like, <laughs> okay, that that's the thing. But you know that that's it's getting across as in as many ways as possible that this is a this is a fallen a fallen world, right? Like even the cops are just completely utterly corrupt. Like literally, nobody even thinks anything of him going through and taking the bourbon and. You know, taking the soap later and the 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 spoon from the table. Although that's got a cl- that's a clue. Okay, so he takes the spoon because it's a clue. But I think he even he- takes the pencil from that from Chuck Connors. Just yeah, I need everything. I want it's it's evidence that I will take home um, <laughs> to where he lives with uh, an old man, Saul, um, who is uh, played in his final film role. He was dying as they shot this movie. Edward G. Robinson as Saul. Um, who is they, they have to pedal a bicycle to keep the to charge the battery and keep the lights on. Um, although so make room, make room. Part of the idea here is that what if the world was so overpopulated that like literally there was no space anywhere? This was definitely a thing in the late sixties and early seventies where they talked about this. There's that Star Trek episode where there's a whole planet like that. Like they they they've done that. I, I was struck that not only is this an overpopulated world, but it's also Manhattan. And I don't know. Charlton Heston and Edward G. Robinson's apartment, you know, it's not big, but it's it's okay. Like I thought, you got people sleeping out on the out on the steps, on out on the stairs, but they've got a a little bit of space. I, there was a lot of disparity there. I mean, obviously the rich people have a lot of space, but I I felt the movie trying really hard to make the overpopulation thing happen in some scenes, but there'd be like all this overpopulation and then there'd be another scene where there were just, there was space and people were walking like around. And I thought it was inconsistent, I guess is what I'm saying, but I, I get the way they were going for. I, I think what they're trying to do is do this, this three-tiered class system where you have the very rich people, then you have the working schlubs like... Uh, uh, Charlton Heston, who, because he's got a a high ranking police job, gets a uh-huh. apartment in New York, and uh, um, and then everyone else has to sleep wherever, and and because it's so hot out, they they that's why the streets are so empty. I think that's they 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 do the there's lots of room to move around because they have that that thing with the curfew at night, so everyone has to go hide, or they it's too hot to be outside. Mm. So I, I I think it's a little bit of stagecraft to where they don't don't want uh, 300 extras in every scene that they're having to film. Yeah, it's definitely a cost savings thing because, yeah, they they shoot a lot at night and, oh, you don't go out at night. Okay, great. I guess I think it's because it's dangerous, Um, maybe more than anything else, because certainly you'd want to be out at night if it's so hot as opposed to being in the day. But there were so many scenes where, you know, Chuck is the only person on the street or the two Chucks are the only people on the street. It, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's very, it's very weird for, a, for a, a New York with 40 million people crammed yeah. into it. And oh my God, this is awful, awful, awful. And oh, you know, I, I, I can, I can run down a street and there's no one around. Yeah, this alley is empty. The original working title was too many Chucks. <laughs> uh, I do, I do think it's really interesting though, that it's, 
it's kind of a post-apocalyptic movie, but really it feels like just barely pre-apocalyptic. Yeah. And mm-hmm. most post-apocalyptic movies, like let's say The Omega Man, go with a deserted world with right, Charles yeah. Heston wandering around. I, <laughs> I thought it was really interesting to go the other way because the scenes where there's a lot of people, I don't want that. I don't. I don't want to have to hop over people going down the stairs. Right. I like that the one guy is like, hey, watch it, buddy. Like, look, do you know what world you're in? People are on stairs. This is what happens. But it is it is the it is the s- slow apocalypse almost. Right. It's the idea that um, the world is coming apart, but these people have to live through it, which is why you get that nostalgia like uh, Saul keeps talking about like, oh, back in the day. Right. Um and when you when you you go to the suicide chamber, they like show you open space and things like that. And it's like, oh, look, it's so beautiful. Back when there were deer and and there was there was grass and it was really nice. Which, uh, you know, so so obviously this is just a disaster. And and there's no food and there's no water. Again, talking about one of those things that is totally true is there are there there are and have been places in the world where the you know there's no drinking water and you have to go to the community, you know, space where they're delivering a small amount of water to everybody. And so seeing that scene where the people are going to get the water and Saul goes to get the water, I'm like, you know, that, that there's, I forget where it's city in South Africa, I think, where that actually happens now that they like ran out of water. It's it's just, it's not, it's, it's, it's closer uh, to reality than, than you might think. But, um, but yeah, the, the movie is, uh, what I read about it is, you know, it's, it doesn't have a very big budget. <laughs> and so they try to do those up overpopulation scenes in a few places, but they, they can't sustain it. They just, they can't afford to sustain it. So they give you the flavor of it. Yeah. I think I, it's just that one scene, right? Uh, in the marketplace. Yeah. Well, also the people laying around and in the everywhere church. where they oh, have yes. to step over. Yeah, and on the staircases. That. and Yeah. That's not very but, many people though. I just thought that, no. that even in a even in today's Manhattan, um, Charlton Heston and uh, and and Edward G. Robinson would probably have like two more roommates. <laughs> but <laughs> but I'll I'll, I'll well it's yeah. 1973. Remember this is when Manhattan was just the worst place in the world, right? Like Escape from New York, right? Right. Yeah. Let me take a little break and tell you about our sponsor. This episode of The Incomparable is brought to you by Wild Grain. Wild Grain is the first ever Bake from Frozen subscription box for sourdough breads, fresh pastas, and artisanal pastries. Every item bakes from frozen in 25 minutes or less with no thawing required. We've gotten a Wild Grain box here at my house. And let me tell you, it's amazing. So they come as like breads. They don't come as dough. They come as breads, but they're not fully done. You put them in the oven, and when they come out, it is like you have gotten fresh baked bread you would never tell it was from frozen you would think that you would put dough in the oven so good crispy exterior soft interior a bunch of different kinds of breads those were great we had pastas they're frozen but they're frozen as freshly made pasta so they have a completely different texture when you toss them in and cook them we had a a meal with spaghetti with the fresh pasta it was so soft and just a totally different experience like it was out of a bread uh, pasta maker instead of dried pasta from the store and uh, they even have a little little pastry dessert a little apple pie pastry dessert in there too 
Uh, and you don't have to, you know, spend hours waiting for the dough to rise. You just pop it in the oven, boom, you're done. You can have multiple breads for a Christmas party, let's say, something like that. Absolutely done in minutes. And you can now fully customize your wild grain box so you can get any combination of breads, pastas, and pastries that you like. If you want all bread, all pasta, I'm not going to judge you. And for a limited time, you can get $30 off the first box, plus free croissants in every box. Who doesn't love free croissants? When you go to wildgrain.com, slash incomparable to start your subscription. That's right. I just want to say it again. Free croissants. Those are two words that go well together, I think. In every, that's another good word, box. Free croissants in every box and $30 off your first box. Why not try it? Go to wildgrain.com slash incomparable. That's W-I-L-D-G-R-A-I-N.com slash incomparable. Or you can use a promo code incomparable when you check out. Just go to wildgrain.com, make your order, use the promo code incomparable. That works too. Thank you, Wildgrain, for mm, all the bread and pasta in my tummy and for sponsoring the incomparable. I was thinking about that Star Trek episode, which is called The Mark of Gideon, mm-hmm. from, and it's from 1969. And, you know, trivia point. It was my first time ever on Random Trek. I, I oh. had that episode. So it got me <laughs> going on all this podcasting. But um, And they did uh, it by having I, oh, like an office with a window w- outside. And one they, window. And they packed one, people in in front of the window and yeah. moved them around. But you never went beyond that because they couldn't afford right. more than the 12 people that were out there. They had... <laughs> They made it look terrible, yeah. but they only had a window yes. to see out of. And, and also they had really ridiculous outfits, but whatever, you know, that was, um, I was interested, you know, that because, uh, yeah, this whole notion that it's the idea of it being so packed, you can't even move. I think Star Trek has done it best. So by doing it, doing the least. So I, I right. So there are, as Phil said, there is a noirish plot about our uh, corrupt detective who still is on the case and uh, and right and and follows a lead and it leads to a giant conspiracy that's very bad with a powerful company the Soylent company is involved because it turns out that this guy who who was murdered to silence him because he was becoming unreliable. He squealed about what was going on. At the very least, he confessed it to his priest, but he seemed like he was unreliable and and overwhelmed with guilt about what they were doing. And so they have him silenced. He pulls on that thread. It leads back to the Soylent Corporation. And that's how ultimately he finds out the horrible secret that they're they're processing the dead bodies into the brand new protein source, Soylent Green. If you had spoiler alert for Soylent Green, again, (laughs) it's people. It's made of people. So there's that. And then there's the really that interleaved with this setting and the the observation of uh, this Mm -hmm. is this is a classic kind of ecological work of science fiction from this era you have these issues and you're trying to portray the future and and what it's like and saying the future isn't it's futuristic in some ways but it's not great because of all these uh terrible things that have happened so many poor people so many homeless people uh there's no water the food there are food shortages right there's that scene where the they're lining up for soil and green and the lady comes out and says i only got half a kilo and there's almost a riot and then and then the cop's like okay uh charles 
Fulton Heston, spread the word. Uh, there's no more Soylent Green. So there's going to be a riot. So just let everybody know. I'm going to announce that in a minute. And he's like, hey, there's no more Soylent Green. And then the riot happens, right? And so, now we are going to scoop you up in dump trucks. Oh, that shot is so cool. <laughs> the scoops are the coming. Scoops are the scoops are coming. Mm-hmm. And they, yeah, it's we're like, going to yep. scoop. And, the guy, and, and, you know, I did not think at that moment. But then later on, I was like, Oh, it'd be a shame if somebody got smashed by a. Oh yeah! <laughs> oh man, is there Which some is smashing? That, that kid who's not going to live to be a hundred. Let me tell you. Yeah. Well, clearly the future came true again. Well done, Soylent Green writers. No, but um, the, my big problem with the scoops: you have to be a lazy ass rioter to yes. to, uh, to not yes. avoid. Yes. The there's scoops. too many. There's too many people, Phil. You can't move around. Yeah. And oh, this is a stampede situation. Yeah, You're yeah. all crushed in. Oh, there's no room. Okay. They're very hot and they haven't eaten. Yeah, but the right. scoops are, look like they're made out of cardboard. I mean, <laughs> well, they're, they're not they're, cardboard; they're metal. They, yes. <laughs> they, well, I'm telling you, steel. The way they the way they bounce around, they are at best sheet metal. They, you know, there are there are real devices. This is how cheap these people this this movie was made. I mean, there are actual devices that are like what this thing is supposed to be. And, uh, you know, like they couldn't hire them, apparently. So they made these things with cheap little, th- you know, there's not even any hydraulics to move the to move the scoop. You sure it's, it's just <laughs> not the fallen world of 2022? Can't afford good scoops? <laughs> yeah. You sure it's not just that it's a movie from 1973? <laughs> no, no. People make no. good food, but they do not make good uh, steel. It's apparently. a cheap movie My from 1973. My dad worked at Caterpillar. He no, absolutely. They had scoops that were sturdier in 1973. <laughs> okay, cheap yes, scoops. Yes, I'm then. from a scoop. I there. This is this is scoop slander in this movie. What was scoop I'm here to push back. Yes. Uh, okay, I'll push back on your pushback. They couldn't use actual heavy machinery because it would hurt the people. It could be. This is a special mm-hmm. effect. Yeah, it could be. Your complaint is. Um, real, real, I don't. Real scoops are bad. I don't weird. care if they hurt the people. Oh, okay, <laughs> carry on. Then. All right. Okay. So you want food the anyways. extras like in Metropolis, another yes. great overpopulation movie? <laughs> yes, yeah, exactly. Sure. That sure. kid never acted again. Who cares? <laughs> I do like that they're dumping them into the back of the truck, and I, I had that thought of like, do they take those guys to the Soylent plant too? I don't know. Maybe of course, do. probably. Maybe they. Of course do. they do. I, I like how they use those the scoops. You know, it's just like you know. A, as Dr. Drang says, it's a thing we know. Um, and also the garbage trucks, like yeah. these are things that drive down our streets all the time. Yeah. And now I'm never going to look at them in the same way. It's the fallen world thing too, right? Where it's like, what do they use as crowd control? Well, they they use they use uh you know heavy machinery that was meant for something else they used yeah. they use the scoops they use the dump trucks they're like they uh, garbage trucks they're like yeah this is what we got so we're using it because this whole world is messed up uh, look at the television uh, yeah. in 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 the apartment it's it's a 1973 television Ugh, there's it, been no progress terrible. wait 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 <laughs> you mean the spherical orange television that looks amazing is that the television you're complaining <laughs> no, no, about no the no. crt that charlton okay. heston has right. no, beca- exactly. because i just want to say that there are amazing spherical orange televisions right yes. next to amazing spherical orange chairs in this movie and i just it, want to shout out no, the, they people cool. had definitely watched 2001. The art direction made, of the rich, of this. this is part of the thing, right? The art direction of the rich people stuff is where it feels like the future. And mm-hmm. 
and and I think that's interesting that 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 the rich guy apartment has the the really kind of cool equipment and the cool furniture and of course the and then you know where Charlton Heston and Edward G. Robinson live is more like a tenement. Like it's fr- yeah, it's frozen in time. Yeah. Although I I I wonder how much of that was by design and how much of that was by budget because again you also have apparently we stopped. Um, designing cars round about 1973 in the future because <laughs> everything is a large uh, sedan. Yeah. Well, uh, Tad Fielding's apartment that we see a couple of times mm-hmm. oh, yes. is classier than Charlton Heston's, but not as classy as the rich guys. And it has some yeah. furniture. That's the, yeah. that, that's the one that has the spherical television next to a old bad oven. Right, because he's the he's getting paid off by Soylent. He's not just yeah. a bodyguard. He's like a he's one of their operatives, and that's why he's got that that sweet sweet strawberry juice on a spoon. Right, like he's got that's one of Charlton Heston's little tells as he goes over there and is investigating his place and uh, talking to the lady, talking to the furniture, and uh, it's it's uh yeah he's doing his investigating in there. Plus, you get the kind of the the sense of it. I, w- I read that um, one of the reviews of this movie when it came out said that they didn't like it because they're like, but what of democracy and what about women's lib and things like that? And I thought, well, yeah, that's the point is that they don't have those. It's a it's a dystopia. It's a dystopia. <laughs> yeah. It didn't, didn't happen. Hello? We were too busy being hungry. Like, like Soylent Green is not is not saying the women should be furniture. Soylent Green wants you to be horrified that yeah. it, in this world, the apartments just come with women in them yeah and there is that scene where all the they, they're credited they're credited as the furniture girls at the end which is hilarious where where um where cheryl has her her friends over from the building and it's all the other women in the building and they have that and then the guy the the jerk who's the 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 doorman or whatever the manager charlie uh, charles charles it's perfectly legal uh comes in <laughs> and he's like hitting them and punching them and stuff until charlton heston comes out of the bedroom putting his pants on and uh because that also happens. So the the you know I, it's that's another form of this dystopia is what the how the women are treated in it. I think that is part that was really successful to me. Not just how the women were treated, but that whole we still have the same system. It's just more corrupt, and you see the wealth on top. Mm-hmm. And you know, like it just it just feels like that part is still so relevant today. And you're like, yeah. yep. This is this is what we should be concerned about is having a system where the wealth, the wealthy get wealthier and control everything and don't give a crap about the people at the bottom and are literally eating them. You know, so that to me, I was like, that's that feels so real. That feels like it's actually, you know, I don't know if we'll get to the point of eating other people, but there is a point where that like that becomes economically viable and, you know. It's uh, that's it felt it felt believable to me. I'm like, we could end up in this future still if things get that bad. I don't think the rich people were eating poor people. No, well, no, no, they don't have to. But they because they they can eat all the fresh food. Right. But to keep the masses and it's also a form of population control. So like, well, we have too many people. Let's just scoop them up and feed them to each (laughs) other. I did, I I like there was one little reference to a company that had invented the process of freeze drying food, 
And I was like, just my 1970s antenna went right up mm. because I was like, oh my God, freeze dried food. That was oh, yeah. like, mm-hmm. you know, that was like, well, you know, whatever fad food process we have today. And I, there's so many of them, but the idea that I, I just remember, especially with coffee, they talked about it freeze dried, like, and it sounded so space age yeah, and good. And and then Tang, they, the, I thought, the orange juice that astronauts drink. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. There's Tang. There was there were space sticks. I don't know if anybody else was. Space food sticks. Glenn. I had them as a kid. Yeah. Those space food astronaut sticks. Astronaut ice cream. They were awful. It's not people. That's what it's not. Yeah. It's, it's not, like. It's probably not people. Are you sure? It's like well, a prick. <laughs> are you sure? It could have been but, people. It's made from <laughs> aliens. It's space You'd food. You'd never know. Earth yeah. food is made from people. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> But the idea of food, you know, being so engineered into like nothingness, right. um, again, you know, Star just Trek, just, I would say, in, you know, uh, pioneered uh, squares of colored yeah. food. Oh, yeah. The, the, um, the, the colored blocks of food are right out of Star Trek. So here it's Soylent Red, but, Soylent Yellow, and now they've got the new Soylent Green, which they which is supposedly based on plankton. But as we discover, because among the things that Charlton Heston just steals from the guy's apartment are a couple of books from the Soylent uh, survey report, I guess, that he gives to Saul. Yeah, and and that is where Saul uh, discovers that the the plankton are dying off, and that they have had to find an alternate protein source, which is by diverting the dead bodies and using them. So, so in addition to the furniture, they also have the the people who are called books, and yes. Saul is a book because there's <laughs> yeah. at one point where Brock Peters says, "Hey, we'll get you a new book," because obviously, obviously he's 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 going to die. Soon. Right. Um, and Charlton Heston is no, you can't do that. I won't let you. And, but I, I, I found that I found that a fascinating um, uh, part of the police work. That basically you get someone to do your legwork for you, and then you yeah, you your research. And, yeah, yeah, and stuff. Yeah, because he has him. He's he's like, well, what what do you want me to look up next? Uh, there's oceanography we could look at, or we could look at biology. Or we could look at this. He goes all of it. He's like, I can't. <laughs> what? I can't do that. Listen, Thorne, I can't do that. Um, but yeah, and there's the exchange, which is like a library, but it's also sort of like where all of the knowledge is kept, that they've come up with a way to kind of like have this private library that's also the place where knowledge is exchanged. And they're the ones who are going to get the word that, that Soylent Green is people for what for what that's worth. I want to point out, um, there are a bunch of Star Trek actors in this, which I thought are, was fun. There sure are. There really are. <laughs> um, the, so... Brock Peters, obviously, uh, is in Star Trek Four, so he would go on to be in Star Trek. But the head of the exchange is Celia Lovsky, who was in a bunch of stuff, but she was T'Pau in Star Trek. Um, the governor here is... Um, is Oh, what's his name? Whit Bissell. Whit Bissell. Whit Bissell from The Trouble with Tribbles. Um, what's he like in that? Mm-hmm. Because in this, he's very monotone, which I thought was interesting. He he's just like a hapless guy. He's he's a, right. that's a comedy bit. So he's in, in trouble with triples. He's more just like, listen, Kirk, <laughs> I don't want these Klingons here. Right? It's just that's that's sort of what he's <laughs> he's doing in there. Also, uh, not a Star Trek actor, but um, but another uh, actor that of note is the appears in the second set of credits because they're not important enough to go in the first set of credits. But <laughs> the, the, the man who leads our friend Saul Roth to his oh, suicide man. chamber is oh, my God. Dick Van Patten. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. And then, now that's a that that's a true dystopia when the last person you see is Dick Van yeah. Well, it, it does lead to the wonderful moment where Charlton Heston punches Dick Van Patten and says, "Take me to my show, me my friend." He's like, "All right, okay, sorry, all right." Uh, eight punches were enough. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of punching. There's 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 a lot of punching. Um, but you're this right, is Phil. Pre eight is enough for what that's worth. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> um, you're right, Phil. That this is the place where it feels the most film noir to me is the fact that, like, there's the governor because you get that moment where you realize, like, oh, this goes beyond this guy up to this corporation, but also the governor. And then they go to his boss, they go to Brock Peters, and they say, close the case, right? Yeah. And that, that's when, when Charlton Heston's like, uh, I'm, I'm not going to sign it. I, I can't close the case. I'm, I'm, you know, you're going to make me, you're going to make me lie about what's going on. And I can't do it. Right. He's, he's been, that's the most noirish part to me where he's like, yeah. they oh, suppress sure. the whole thing. And he's like, I can't, I and can't I, do it. I'm corrupt, was, but I'm not corrupt in that way. <laughs> I was really glad that they didn't have a, a scene where, like Charlton Heston confronts the governor or confronts someone from Soylent and it's, you don't understand detective Thorne. Yes. I, I like that, that the, the powers that be were always just lurking in, in the background. I, I thought that made it more effective. Yeah. And, uh, that it was a less is more um, approach to storytelling. Yeah. The governor's in like one scene and then you see his face on like a poster. Yeah, the, and, the, and or in the background on the on the on the crappy CRT right. television set. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center. Thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Charlton Heston does eventually go to the uh, the factory. So he he follows, follow, follow the monies, follow the money, follow the bodies, follow the dead bodies. He follows the dead body to the waste disposal plant. He He sees... The, the corpses, the wrapped corpses being ch- chucked in a vat, basically. <laughs> yep. This is my argument. This, is, this movie does not have a twist ending. No. You see it mm-hmm. happening no. right mm-hmm. here. It's like, very direct. <laughs> Although it is towards the end of the movie. It's pretty yeah. close to the end. But it's not, yeah. it's not when he says it, it. Well, this is the thing that's funny. The reason that it's actually very funny. So as, as um, Saul Roth is dying... He is going to reveal he's hearing his friend and he's being, you know, the light classical music is playing and he's being shown uh, like a like a panorama, like he's at Disneyland or something. There's like a, a big uh, projection display showing him peaceful scenes as he's, he's drunk his his uh, poison and he's going to pass out and die. And he said, but he, he knows that his friend is there and he says, Oh, I got to tell you something. And, and then the, uh, the audio system goes out. So he has to listen to it on headphones. And that's very funny. Cause that's the, and the part we don't hear is the part where he says the thing about how Soylent Green is actually mm-hmm. made of, of people. Um, because they don't want that to be the time that we have the revelation of it. Um, they but do it, a similar thing when, when Saul is at the exchange and the exchanger telling them, we think this is what the deal is, but right. they, they cut away from that bit. Exactly. Because they want the, but it's not what I thought, which is they want the audience to to be in that moment where it's the twist. It's not. They want the gradual. They want you to follow him 
with yeah. the dead bodies to the factory and there's the moment where they get dropped in the vat and you're like oh boy and then there's the um conveyor belt of <laughs> soiling green uh, rectangles and and you're like oh boy okay all right like that's the moment it's not it's this gradual realization that this must be the solution it's not that last scene where he blurts it out that's famous but it's not a twist it's it's where the movie is going the whole time so so i have a question for the the panel at large um did any of you see this without knowing what the 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 ending was no no No, i definitely knew i I was curious like at the time did were people surprised and did they like follow through or did people guess like because i'm like i wonder if i would have figured i feel like they laid it out pretty clearly and i would have guessed it much sooner than that point but I don't know. But it, it would have been the mounting knew. horror of the discovery, I think, would have yeah. been yeah. more effective yeah. had I not known exactly. what the final line For of sure. the movie is. Because I, I, I will tell you, this was the first time I saw this movie. And I knew what the ending was back in like 1990 because of a Saturday Night Live sketch. Oh, yeah. Yes. yeah <laughs> that, that, that was basically just an excuse for Phil Hartman to run around screaming, it's people, yeah. it's people. And yeah, of course. <laughs> so that that was what, Classic. what ruined me. But what what I what I appreciated in watching it is is that it isn't just a a a twist where it's like oh it was you sure. you, you, you you bastards you did it you blew it all up right like it, it's not another Charlton Heston movie uh the it is that that dread and I think it's pretty good right like I think it's the yeah. his friend dies he runs there he can't stop him from killing himself he follows the bodies he's going to the now he's at the factory he's like oh this isn't good right like it, the way it's done I think is is actually pretty pretty good and so when he blurts it out like we all know what he's saying when he sure. blurts it out mm-hmm. and and that's not mm-hmm. what i expected and i thought it was you know i thought it was really effective i gotta i gotta say i i like this movie i think it's not great <laughs> but i think it's pretty good i think as a sci-fi from this especially from 50 years ago talking about ecological issues and overpopulation talking about the corruption of society and the stratification of society. I think that that part of it is pretty well done given their budget, especially Uh, they don't have a good scooper budget. They don't have a good overpopulation (laughs) budget, but they got, but they got enough. And then I think the noirish angle with, with uh, Heston is pretty good. Um, I, I think you know, I, I even am okay with his sort of semi-romance with Cheryl. It's it's super weird. And yeah, that's, off, that's the worst part of the movie. It, it is, but like, I feel like that's it's effective. It's the interrogation. I, yeah, I it's, feel like that's effective, They have sex though. during an interrogation. Yeah, yeah, which which is sort of dehumanizes, depersonalizes the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, which is then, the point, yeah. And then exactly. the guy comes over and says, yeah, uh, do you like, what is it, are you fun? Cheryl, he's, yeah. he asks her because sometimes you're a fun girl. Yeah, sometimes the guys come over and that's when we want you around for fun, and it's like it's chilling, and that's the whole point. So that part, all that commentary and 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 the the, the unthreading of the plot, and there's some the some of the action stuff which we haven't mentioned. Like I really like when the guy. The assassin from the first one is now taking his shots. He's been told to take his shots at Charlton Heston. <laughs> and it's in, obviously, these huge crowds. And the assassin does not care about shooting other people. He is happy to shoot. And so many other people are shot to death. 
<laughs> as he tries to shoot Charlton Heston, who is wearing, by the way, his police helmet, which is a football which, helmet. <laughs> which is fantastic. Which is amazing. <laughs> Max Hedrum did that. And I didn't realize it for all these years that that was almost certainly a Soylent Green reference they were making. Cops wearing football helmets. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I, in the end, you know, again, it's like, yeah, okay, Soylent Green is people. He says it at the end. But like, by the time it gets there, I've, I, I. I've seen the journey that that character's on. So I don't know. I thought this was a pretty effective movie. And I, I, I think it's, is it a, is it a classic? Well, probably not, but I think it's pretty good for what it's trying to do. And that it's, I actually felt that I felt a little bit sad that all people ever know about it is, is the last line of the movie because it, it, I think earns that last line, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but you have to watch the rest of the movie to get there. I like this movie a lot. I thought this was a very good movie. Yeah. Now, to be fair, I did spend a year watching post-apocalyptic movies, right. which are almost uniformly terrible. <laughs> so <laughs> seeing a movie that isn't like Escape from the Bronx. You take that it, back about <laughs> Hell Comes to Frog Town. <laughs> <laughs> Look, this movie had a point of view, which a lot of especially science fiction movies from the 70s didn't. Um, I thought the scoopers looked great. I thought it was chilling seeing those people just being scooped up and dumped in the back. Um, yeah, I thought this was a very good movie. And it's a shame that the final line is so iconic. But on the other hand, you know. Got us to watch the, the movie. movie. Yeah, mm-hmm. that yeah. keeps the movie alive in people's memories in some way. Did anybody watch it before this podcast? No. no. Had oh, anybody I... seen it? No. Yes. Dr. Dre. Okay. Mm, interesting. Yeah, I, I, I would have did seen it. Did you see it when you were a kid? Because I, I did not. I, I did. I didn't see it when it came out. Um, and, I, so, and so my first exposure to it would have been on, uh, you know, commercial TV, wh- whenever mm-hmm. it came out on TV. But by that time, of course, I already knew that Soylent Green was people. Yeah. So it, it, we st- did it still wasn't a surprise. Yeah. I feel like we knew what Soylent Green was immediately yeah. like I, I, it, uh, practically from the title <laughs> just it's like what else can it be in this like yeah. this era uh you know of weird twisted you know movies and 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 social commentary but i i i've been wondering that myself though did anybody go see it in the theater back in the day you know aside from like opening night or something that didn't already know the commercials was- were all what is the secret of soylent green yeah. so they, they were playing yeah. it up pretty hard yeah that's the they trailer were. the trailer was yeah yeah anyway but i'm I- sure that, that that the audiences in 73 were probably unlikely to know the secret and mm-hmm. and got that as a that creeping dread, like again, I think I think tre- creeping dread is a pretty great thing for a movie to give you, and this movie yeah. does it. <laughs> like you're like, oh go oh, no, oh no, and I knew it was people, but I'm still like, oh, he's riding mm-hmm. that truck into the factory. He's like, oh, this is not. Let's watch the bodies going by one by one. You're like, oh no 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 no. It's just it's very effective, but yeah, what would it have been I, like to be surprised? I don't know. I I I I would like to see it remade just for. <laughs> We we learned about pacing a little bit better uh, mm. in, in sure. the ensuing fifty years since that movie came out, um, and uh, uh, I, I'd like to see it um, without some of the garish seventies uh, hairdos that uh, <laughs> managed to survive uh, survive uh, survive the apocalypse. Uh, yes, exactly. 
Mm-hmm. Um, you could, also, you could. I had that same thought, which is, it's what we've been saying here. It's not as if the topics of this movie are no longer relevant. Absolutely <laughs> like, not. Right? Oh man. Mm-hmm. Oh man. Pretty one, good. One of the things that made this movie uh, stick with me. Uh, in a way that I wouldn't have expected it to was that the the themes and topics are very relevant. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I would also I would also like to see them choose different locations because the Soylent facility is the Chevron uh, <laughs> processing plant in El Segundo that I used to live next to. And, oh, no. uh, had I only known what was going on there, I could have stopped it. Damn it! You could have picketed with a sign yeah. that says "It's Please people." Please stop killing people and turning them into food. Plus, the Euthanasia Center is the L.A. Sports Arena. Ah, uh, um, that's bad. And, and yep. um, you know, it was the home of the Clippers, which yeah. would make you want to die. So. <laughs> it's fitting. It is fitting. Uh, I have a confession. So I thought there were aliens involved in this movie. Oh. So I was waiting for the alien twist. And I was like, oh, wait. It took me about the half of the movie to realize I think I'm mixing up this the miniseries V, which I love, uh, with yes. this. Maybe movie. that and Twilight no Zone aliens. episode too. How to serve people? Yeah, to serve yeah. man, to serve so, man. Oh, Detective Thorne, you don't understand. We're all lizard people. So I was like, <laughs> when are they whipping off the mask? And yeah. we find out that the governor is an alien. It's like so. It did take at least a third to a half of the movie before <laughs> I was like. Oh, I I, this is not the movie I thought it was going to be, <laughs> but I I didn't think knowing the end reduced the tension. I was a little confused at first, but once I got past that, <laughs> I think it still holds up as an interesting movie because it earns that ending and uh, drags us through. And you're like counting up. Well, they're soylent now. They're soylent now. They're soylent now. <laughs> so yeah, every every scoop. It's more yep, so every green. scoop, every murder victim. I'm sure he scoops. Why he doesn't pay you know extra? That, there's that that meme about the like sci-fi writer who wrote the book. Don't create the torment nexus because you shouldn't yeah. create the torment nexus. And then the tech bros are like, "Good news, everybody! We created the torment nexus." And the sci-fi writer is like, "Oh no, 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 no! Uh, Don't it's, do it." It's a little like that where the where the tech bros are like, "You know what would be a good name for our protein drink that you can subsist on? Let's call it Soylent." <laughs> You're like, "What yeah. are you doing?" Why? Nick, what, what, <laughs> Nick what, was obsessed you know? with it. What are you doing? There's a great bit in the IMDb trivia that says, To date, Soylent does not contain people. It's a great caveat. We have optimism there. I'm going to throw this out right now. Um, in the original book, Make Room, Make Room, Soylent is just soy and lentils. Yeah. 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 Right. That makes sense. They're like, let, let's just. That's so t- logical. Yeah, but do you think that's what Soylent Red and Soylent Yellow are, or are Soylent Red and Soylent Yellow also people? And if so, how come Soylent Green is tasteless and odorless? Why don't they make it taste better? They they suggest that Soylent Pink is soybean. Okay, yeah, yeah. that's true. They, and, yeah. But of course they say Soylent Green is plankton, and they're lying about that. So. But it, was, it sounds like it was originally plankton, and then they, they, uh, they ran, ran out, out of they plankton. They ran out of plankton. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, they as you do, green they color. ran out of plankton. That's yeah, because be there's a, a die-off in the ocean. The it's part of the, the ecological. You get the sense that this, it's all this that is hairspray. I this bet. is a world that is <laughs> 30 years away from being the road. Like everything yeah. is going to die because the the whole ecology is collapsing, but it hasn't collapsed yet. But the but if the oceans are dying off, right? Like this is a bad sign for the food sources of humanity, uh, but they're not quite there yet. 
there's a great line, we'll make it cold like winter used to be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, it's always a heat wave, she says at one point. And I'm like, oh, really? Always a heat wave, you say. Oh, huh. Oh, imagine that. Huh. <laughs> well, I like that the, they don't understand that winter will still be cold. It'll just be colder. Uh, a heat wave, a heat uh, greenhouse. Yeah effect isn't necessarily always hot. Yeah, we know more um, about massive climate change problems than yeah. the movie from 50 years ago. Huh, mm-hmm. interesting. <laughs> yeah. How, mm, interesting. Why? Yeah. Yeah. The the thing about the plankton, I mean, if the plankton are dead, you got a bigger problem than food. You don't have yeah. any oxygen anymore. <laughs> but, um, but, you know, the the thing about the, you know, the slow motion death of, of, the, of the world, it's not that slow motion. It, in the, in that, you know, how much older is Edward G. Robinson than Charlton Heston in this movie? Their characters, thirty uh, years, thirty maybe years, five. Yeah, but they do have that. 30, there is dialogue where he's like that. Saul remembers stuff that that is he does normal that that that, uh, that Thorne doesn't. In my exactly in, in my head canon, Saul's in his seventies because he would have been born in the nineteen forties, like my dad. And be about in his late seventies, early eighties by the time uh, uh, this movie rolls around. Yeah, I'm confused because I did read. I did read "Make Room, Make Room," and, and I feel like Charlton Heston before is basically and saw seventy five in the book. yeah. I have a forty year old, fifty year old man. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So why does Charlton ha- Charlton Heston has no memory of any of these things? He's never seen any of these things at all. Never seen a deer. It's like Han Solo thinking that Jedi are just a myth. Because things started going to, to pot about 1970 in the mid 70s. 1973. I yeah. guess. Yeah, <laughs> but they, but they must have gone they must have gone to pot really fast because Well, that's true. You know, it's it's a guy, you know, 30 35 years younger well, who's yeah. never seen anything compared to a person who remembers it all. Yeah, slow apocalypse is still, you know, over 10 years even or 20 years. And this is like whatever, 30 or 40 years into the apocalypse. And it's all just sort of like crept worse and worse and worse. Yeah. I mean, it's obviously not like a bomb went off. Yeah. Uh, It's it's Mm. not that it's not that kind of apocalypse. But it's still pretty fast. Ecological collapse. What if Heston has lived in Manhattan all his life, but Saul used to live somewhere else? That could be. Could be. Because then you're like, tree? What's a tree? Mm Mm-hmm. Hey, I got another question for the panel. Uh-huh. Ignore Central Park. Do you, do you think uh, Brock Peters did anything after Charlton Heston says, go tell everyone that did something? Well, this is... <laughs> no. No. A hundred percent Absolutely no. not. Yeah, absolutely no. not. Okay, we're all I think, agreed. I think yeah. the only... I, I love how, how the ending doesn't tell you anything. I do think, though, he did shout it to a whole room of people mm-hmm. and the um, exchange knows. So it's it's yeah. not... They're going to have to do a lot of covering up or it's out there, but the movie is not. But Brock Peters has gotten his marching orders, right? He's not going to do anything about this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. He stops eating Soylent Green. He makes that, a personal that, change to his life. Yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I mean. He starts eating healthfully. You want yes. some green? Oh, no, no, no. Uh, I'm only doing yellow these, these days. It's so better for my stomach. It's more my flavor. Mm. But, you know, it, it's scooping up the people in the church. And sure. it, it, that literally, was, it, was that where this, this shootout was? Yes. Finally, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So you scoop up the people in the church. Boom, they're done. Uh, the elders are, uh, or the books, they're no trouble to you pick clear up. Clear them out, yeah, because they're all attached to a police officer, if, right? If you 
Yeah, but it's like if you can clean it up. I, what I like about the ending is like this is out there now and it might spread, but it also might not. And and you can take it's it however you, you want. Yeah. Audience I, member. Yes. I think the credits are a tell <laughs> that they go with the credits of the 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 scene the 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 scenes that Saul was seeing when he was dying. It, yes. It's basically no, nope, oh. you're all dead. Now you're all dead. <laughs> all of you know because <laughs> I watch this on Max, a bad app on my television, and mm-hmm. it does not show me the closing credits. Oh, oh that's terrible. Oh. No. You, because, you've got to, well. You've got to I, physically I, no. move the thing up to the, the. I did, and I click it, and I just get a black screen. That's oh, what Max no. does when I try to watch well, the closing credits of anything on the bad oh, that's app. Terrible. Max, that's terrible. Clearly, well, the worst thing that Zasluff has ever done. I uh, <laughs> yeah. So so it is, Monty. You get to watch over the credits. You get to watch what Saul watched as he died. Oh, <laughs> they play funny. that yeah. again. So mm-hmm. that you can see it as you die in the theater <laughs> at yeah. the end of Soil and Green. Yeah. Not to be a pessimist, but don't you think even if it got out there based on recent events, people would still eat Soil and Green and sure. still do nothing about it? Absolutely. Like, I'm like, yeah. That's what they, they're like. Well, we have no food if we don't eat the Soil and Green and it's so processed. I can forget that it's people and people are still going to eat it. Or they yeah. will not forget it, or it'll be, you know, like just, yeah, it'll just, it won't make a difference. And it's, that's, this, well, that's, this place is doomed. Yeah, we're just doomed. This is going to a Mad Max world. Yeah, absolutely. We, well, it's, it's our world because as we saw a couple of years ago, uh, oh, well, you know, those people were going to die anyway. Mm-hmm. Know, as, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so, like, I think they won't care. They'll yeah. just at least, do it. at least, They'll eat it. you know, Soylent Green makes it, you know, there's some benefit to their death. Right, the rest of us. The rest of us don't starve. Yeah. Yep. Did Saul go to his death knowing he would become Soylent? Yes, I feel yeah. like he yes, did. Yes, because right? he got the word from the exchange. Yes, yeah. because yeah. he tells he did the he, research and everything. He tells Thorn, yeah, and he tells Thorn, yeah, during that part where we can't hear. Right. He 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 whispers it to him. So yeah, that was <laughs> the I like. Well, yeah, I mean, what drives him? That's the amazing thing, right? Is like Saul, which again I'll point out, legendary. <laughs> Actor Edward G. Robinson, who is dying of cancer while making this movie and uh, apparently was very professional about it. And then he has this death scene. But the way it's it's written is like he finds out that Soil and Green is people and he's like, that's it. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm done. <out>. done. <laughs> and and done. he says he writes yeah. to Thor and he's like, I'm going home. He's like, I am leaving. I'm done with this planet. This is the worst. Goodbye. And he goes and he's like, oh, yeah. Uh. Orange, sure. Orange is my favorite color. Whatever, just plug me into the thing, please. And that's the uh, that's the end of Saul. Mm-hmm. I d- I did feel uh, good for those guys that Thord was throwing over the side of the railing at the Soylent facility because less re- less time for them to travel. Oh, yeah, they don't have to go leave the building. They go <laughs> right, right back there. onto the con- the one guy just lands on the conveyor belt. So that is yeah. the. Oh, I guess he's with the wafers. They're going to have to take yeah, him off. Yeah, it's, it's inefficient. <laughs> Put him in the yeah, vat He's going to get instead. wrapped up or something. They have extra fiber yeah. because there's, to... there's clothes and sheets on everyone. They just don't even unwrap them. Yeah. yeah. Just throw everything in. <laughs> I thought of that all food. <laughs> I think it's like a dissolving, okay. like a, maybe like a sort yeah. of paper-based substance that they're wrapped in that they will, will dissolve in it. Because if it's like a plastic bag, like, what are you doing? But they, they know they need to... No, it seems fabric, right? Like... Yeah, yeah maybe it, it is. Like it dissolves in the vat. Dissolves in the it's vat. It's just cotton. 
We right. eat cotton. They know we'll eat anything, so. So, so Soylent Green is people and the bag we put the people in? <laughs> yes. Yes. Sure. And their clothes, yes, that was their the, shoes, That was the original whatever. line of dialogue, but they found that too. Uh... It's, a, it's a little wordy. <laughs> didn't, didn't test well. Soylent Green is people and people's wallets. <laughs> <laughs> their glasses. Seems weird, right? Yeah. Well, we have a... No, no, no. I just want to say... Uh, hello, uh, I'm the CEO of Soylent Corporation, and I want to I want to clear Ooh. up a few things about misconceptions about Soylent. We have large filters that clean out all of the 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 body bags, the the glasses, <laughs> the the pocket change, leaving only the human bodies to be the source of Soylent Green. Just want to be clear about that. Only the finest human bodies are used. What about Thank prosthetics? You. Uh, they're filtered. They're filtered out. Take my penknife, my good man. <laughs> I don't want to eat Charles. Charles is a jerk. Um, by the time we get him, he's not Charles anymore. Uh, <laughs> he deserves to be eaten. I'd rather Charles, eat Charles will be eaten at one of the fun parties in his building. <laughs> Charles, you know, by the way, is the actor from yes, Willy but, Wonka, but Mr. Bogard, who was yes. the dad. The dad of the girl who turned Violet into a Bogart's big group dad. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. yeah, it is. It is. That's, That's just, I don't know, weirdly troubling. ironic. She turned into a food. Their t- movie is about food. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. All right. I see where you're going. That is like IFDB trivia. Ironically. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Gene, you have to get in there and write that. Uh, yeah, that's write right. That I, I will get like only three like, million IMDb readers found that useful. Yeah. <laughs> Out of six million. <laughs> Solid. Yeah, it's still pretty good. Still pretty good. I don't know, Dr. Drang, I don't know if we heard from you with your, your overall feelings about it. Everybody else has been pretty positive. Your feelings about this movie, this famous movie for the end, but it is a whole movie. How do you feel about I it? I did. I did like the movie, and uh, you know, I it, it I have not seen it since I think the late seventies, whenever it was that I was that I saw it uh, on TV. But it, it is it was surprisingly good. Um, you know, science fiction movies, as I think Monty said, uh, from this era are generally terrible. <laughs> uh, all the pre-Star Wars stuff was was terrible. Yeah, eat it, silent a lot, running. <laughs> a lot of it. Well, there there no, there I mean there are exceptions, but it, uh, 2001 might might be considered Solaris a good movie. has entered the but, chat. You know. <laughs> but but it was it was they were not taken seriously and the special effects were were terrible because people couldn't make good special effects and people were and producers were afraid to spend money to get decent ones so they they were bad what what i was really surprised about was that i thought charlton heston did a good job in this movie, yeah. I thought I I thought he's he's excellent at playing a jerk, and maybe that's the same reason that Marilyn Monroe is great at playing a pretty woman. But <laughs> still, he 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 does a great job because I was expecting, you know, not having seen it for forty some years, I was expecting Edward G. Robinson to just blow him off the screen, and he doesn't. I mean, Edward G. Robinson does a great job in this movie. Yeah. He's, he's excellent as Saul. Mm-hmm. But Charlton Heston, when he's swaggering around and taking the food and taking whatever it is, a pillowcase and stuffing <laughs> it with all his loot as he leaves the apartment, that's, that's just, it's good. 
Chuck Connors, I think they did. I mean, he's bad, but he, but they they keep him in a cage, right? Yeah. He's well directed in this movie. He's well used. He's I mean, he is a, a thug, big, right? Like the character yeah. is a good fit for Chuck Connors' skills. And he's and he's a big mm-hmm. guy to to match up with with Charlton Heston in 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 the fight scenes and stuff like that. It's it's surprisingly well acted for us uh, and again for a science fiction movie yeah. which we're not known for the for Charlton good acting. Heston is one of our greatest terrible actors. Yeah, when he's used yeah. right. Well, it turns yeah. out you see a lot of these movies and you realize there are people who are not actors with lots of range who can be really good if they're given the right material. Yep. And really bad yeah. when they are asked to do something that they can't do. And this is a movie, I agree with Dr. Drang, this is a really good fit for Charlton Heston. He is bombastic. He is he is naturalistic in many ways, right? He's just like a guy who's trying to make his way and he's there aggressive. There was a reason and... they kept casting him in movies like this. Like, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So like, uh, like Omega Plan- Man and, and, Planet, and, of the and Apes. Planet of the Apes. Yeah, yeah. sure. There's absolutely yeah yeah I think I wanted to mention Lee Taylor Young who who plays Cheryl, I think she yeah. does a really I, I think first off she's super kind of likable but I think she does a pretty good job of kind of toggling between this is my job as furniture and I am also a human being under here who's been forced to be in this position and there are moments where you see her kind of go from one to the other and it's a it's a tough role because her role is to to be a less of a character and more of a social commentary, but I think mm-hmm. she brings some, some good stuff to that part too. And apparently one of two cast members who lived to 2022. So there you yep. go. Look at that. She I discovered that I can't tell the difference between Chuck Connor and Charlton Heston, which made the beginning of this movie very confusing. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They're just okay, enormous yeah. chin It's dudes. the neckerchief. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's, how you, that's how you tell the between the two. <laughs> I had a problem with that too, and I said, <laughs> at one point I got to like I said that's really weird that Charlton Heston set up this whole murder and now he's solving it. He's doing yeah. a good job <laughs> of pretending that he doesn't know what happened. And then at one point I said, "No, you just can't." You know, it's like I mean the quality it's of too, the, too many the, chucks again. The film too many there's chucks, too many yes. chucks, and also that's <laughs> like you know the color and the the lighting and everything doesn't make it easy to to distinguish things but okay thank you for saying that because i i was like when annette confessed her confession i was about to go with mine which was hmm. i I was confused for for the first third okay Okay, go go. that was me (laughs) in the movie heat i thought i can't even remember the two actors who are the main character it took me 50 percent of the movie until they were in the same room like al pacino and robert de niro yeah i totally couldn't i totally didn't i couldn't tell them apart very similar energies guys and i I was like and i was like that's why they're never in movies together they're two different people (laughs) i was so confused he's like annette's kryptonite right because it's like finally these two actors are together and that's like no don't do it don't do that i can't tell them apart why are they in the same movie now I implore you not to go see Righteous Kill. <laughs> I will not. Are they both in it? Yes. <laughs> Nick yeah. makes fun of me still to this day because I was like, I just didn't see it. And it's like half the movie before they oh. are in the same room. You know the movie The Prestige? Yes. <laughs> I cannot identify Christian Bale at the best of times. 
in that movie, I got him and Hugh Jackman confused constantly. <laughs> wow. Which that movie makes is a hard. very confusing. That movie, movie. is confusing <laughs> enough without really confusing, confusing the actors. Yeah, but it did mean it also meant that I could see the twist because I was like, well, that guy over there is Hugh Jackman too. So what's going on? Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I um I uh, Soil and Korean, it's a good movie. Like I, I don't know what to say. Like I really went into it. I, I just saw Annette last week and we were talking about mm-hmm. this movie and it was like, I don't know. Is it going to be good? Is it going to be bad? And I said, I think people like it, but it doesn't get talked about a lot. And so 50 years on, here we are talking about it. It only gets referenced as that line. And yeah, as a sci-fi movie, I agree with Dr. Drang. There are a lot of really humdrum 70s sci-fi movies that are, are you know, they're either the, like 2001 is an exception, but there are the kind of airless space movies where they've got Doug Trumbull in there to do some spaceships, but like, the movie isn't very interesting or they're the the apocalyptic like your logan's run kind of logan's things those are your those are your ZPG. choices and this this movie actually is more like a, a sci-fi movie crossed with one of those smelly 70s movies you're <laughs> you're taking a pelham one two three kind of thing like it's got a little <laughs> injection of the of the Right, because some of those 70s sci-fi movies, there's like, everything is white. It's white spaceships. Yeah. It's white corridors and all of that. Whereas so many, so much 70s cinema is shaggy and smelly and messy. And Soylent Green is, is messy and yet also a sci-fi. And like, it's a good, it's like a really good mixture of some good things about 70s movies, most of which I've seen because Phil made me watch them for this podcast. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and, and kind of sci-fi thoughts of the late sixties and early seventies. And like, yeah, it's a good movie. I, I also think it's funny that the, um, that I was looking up. So Stanley Greenberg is the writer of uh, the screenwriter and he wrote almost nothing. Um, he did and, a lot of TV. Yeah. And Richard Fleischer is the director and he directed lots of stuff, right? He directed Dr. Doolittle and fantastic it, voyage. That's a terrible movie. Such, <laughs> it is such a varied career. Cause red Sonia's Richard yeah. Fleischer. <laughs> 20,000 leagues. leagues. Yes. Yeah. 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 Max Fleischer's son. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. interesting. Yeah. Mm. Tora, 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 which was always on uh, <laughs> Dialing for Dollars on Channel 2. It was always Tora, Tora, Tora. Uh, three exclamation yeah. points in that movie title. So yeah, just all over the place. But um, so it's not like you can say, what was funny is when I looked it up, I thought, oh, this is going to be by, directed by or written by someone where you're going to be like, oh, of course. And it's not. It's people I basically never heard of. Um, but it's a good movie. What can I say? People, listeners go watch Soil and Green. It's, mm-hmm. it's people, but also it's a, it's a good movie. It's enjoyable. I was, uh, 97 minutes long. Doesn't that overstay its welcome? No. <laughs> it could be better paced, but for a movie from 50 years ago, has a pretty decent narrative drive. Like, uh, Heston is on the screen for almost the entire movie and is super charismatic as he's bumping into things and punching people and doing what he needs to do, stealing stuff from the crime yeah, scene. I like, I like watching yeah. Charlton Heston do stuff on screen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I think the, the, the part that's slow is uh, after Saul is dead and, and it's the part going through the machinery of the, uh, of the processing plant. Yeah, that, 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 that go- needed some cuts. That, need, that needs to be sped up a little bit. 
but honestly, before then, you know, it's it's a detective story to to some extent. Yeah. I mean, again, we as the audience in a Columbo style, we as the audience know who, who did it and, and sort of what's going on, although we don't know that Silent Green is people until we're further along in the movie. But, you know, I, I think the, the part up to Saul taking himself to uh, giving himself over to Dick Van Patten um, <laughs> up until that, I think it's, I think it's quite well paced and, and it's just that last bit that drags. Cause again, anybody who's watching it now, and I would say anyone who's who watched it after 1973 Five. and a half, yeah, okay. whatever, <laughs> you know, knows at that point, get to the goddamn line. Okay. Right. It's, it's, we want to hear it now. And, and mm. I think if you're, if you're watching it on, well, if you were watching it on TV, you look at the clock and say, wait a minute, I, I there's, there's too much, there's another half hour of this movie yeah. left. And, and if you're watching it now on your iPad, like I did, you, you looked at, you click on it so that the, uh, so the cursor shows up and you say, yeah. what the hell? Why isn't that thing all the way over to the right yet? <laughs> got, got to go through a lot more of tubes and and piping and stuff like that and mm -hmm. conveyor belts so it should the way it mm -hmm. should end is that saul should just shout without the crackling audio soylent green is people and and then uh and then charlton heskin can say oh you bastards you did it you made food out of people no the end the end that's it they have to show the factory. That's yeah, they do. For, they do. Know. Again, I like the creeping dread about that. I, I admit yeah. that it, there's a lot of factory, but I did like the creeping dread as you're like, and this is where it's almost like you're taking the Soylent Green factory tour, which don't, yeah. don't, don't take will, the Soylent Green <laughs> factory don't have tour. have the samples. Oh, God, no. I will say this. I've seen a lot of movies where there's a big final sequence in a factory. This is the only time I've understood how the factory worked from top to bottom. <laughs> <laughs> I love yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. I do Although, have, I... Actually, Monty, I will just say they go from bodies in a vat to perfectly shaped squares. Um, I would I, I had that thought of like, could we have an interim step with some sort of, you know, mm -hmm. slurry? But no, <laughs> we cannot. Well, it, in the show, how it's made, they yeah. definitely would have done that. They would have showed you every step. <laughs> How it's made. They also look really green. plastic. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's the Keebler Elves' darkest secret. Mm. <laughs> One thing that jumped out at me with the, that whole thing, maybe because I was bored, but I was like, wow, they didn't think we would have like security cameras in the future. Right. You know, mm -hmm. post it everywhere in this society where supposedly they're so, you know, they have them in the rich security. people's houses, but they, not at the not factory. Not in the elevator. Like, apparently like they never knew who the kill they didn't have like elevator you know video well, but, footage but the cameras were down right that was sabotaged oh. or something yeah, yeah that was oh, one of the proof that right. it was that's how that's how uh, charles that's Tessin knew it was a conspiracy is that like two days right. before the security went down for the first time in two years. Oh, was I like, missed you know, that detail when yeah, I and, uh, thought that charlton heston had done it, it was, you have uh, to go yeah, watch well, it again yeah. my true. favorite my favorite thing of them missing a prediction is when Charlton Heston tries to call into the police station, but the circuit is in use, so he can't. <laughs> <laughs> it's like he's on a party line. That's great. Well, yeah. it's a, this is a, yeah, it's a dystopia. The, a lot of things have fallen apart, and things that didn't get invented, and all of that. They had no cell phones, but they no longer do because the cell networks are down. Uh, uh, yeah, I think be. the idea is that 
society peaks at 1973 yeah, and then immediately so. starts declining. Yeah, I think that's it. exactly mm-hmm. it, <laughs> which helps on the budget because you don't have to invent very much that's new other than the other than that Pong Asteroids game, which does that's feel real. very, that's 20, the, that's, very Atari that's, 2600 to me with the big numbers and everything. That was, that's the that first cool. coin operated video game. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. And it rules. I love its shape. The lines. Looks Ooh, good. Yeah. The curves. Looks good. Yeah. She's good at it, too. She got a five, five with one shot or something like that. Uh-huh. Like, you, hey, old rich guy, do you want to play? No. I'm sad <laughs> because of Soylent Green. Soylent Green has driven me mad. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Just hit me with that, your crowbar. I don't care. Dig a hole. I'll I mean, jump in. Knowing there's like this is this like very peaceful assisted suicide center, I think I would have chosen to do that rather right. than wait for someone to he beat could, me in the head with he a have seen the crowbar. movies about the deer. Exactly. But that would mean another <laughs> that would mean lessening his time as, as a rich person. It's and true. as a rich right. person you just want to be as rich as possible as long as possible. He probably knew that Dick Van Patten was there and didn't want to face no. it. No. Yeah. That's, that's right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I, I can I can relate. Any final thoughts about Soylent Green before we wrap it up? Now's your chance. I do I do adore how in the fight scene in the church that people are just, yeah, oh, you bumped into my bed. How dare Nobody you? Nobody tries to stop those guys <laughs> Nobody, from punching and shooting. Nobody is stopping them or running away, even when there are gunshots. It's... Yeah. <laughs> I think killing that priest in the middle of confession is a bad idea, and he will be found out immediately the when lady, the next person goes in the there. The lady's says, just going to go in there and find a dead priest, or and maybe a bullet hole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had that same thought, which is that was not smart by Chuck Connors to to do it that way. But I guess he gets away. The good thing about overpopulation is it's easy to get lost in a crowd. Mm. In fact, Charles Nelson, that, that's a nice moment where he takes his football helmet off. He's like, you'll never notice me now because all the other cops have their football helmets on. He's like, aha, now I have the element of surprise. <laughs> Briefly. As, and, and human shields all around me because that guy will just shoot anybody. Uh, that guy, he didn't make it. He got crushed by a crusher, crushed by a, a scooper. That was good, too, because that was actually the crush by scooper was a good moment, too, because it's like, finally, Charlton Heston's going to get to the bottom of this because he's going to he's going to pump this guy for information. Like, who sent you and what's the deal? It's like, nope, he got nope. crushed by the uh, the scooper. He's uh, he's he's a, he's just smushed now. Red pancake. Yeah. What does, red. what does like a grapefruit mean? He's talking he, about her boobs. He's talking yes. about her boobs. Ah, yeah, I was gonna. Got I, it. Thanks. I hesitated to say. No, I, I'm 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 but, here for you. I'm here for all. Yeah, of I was you. I was hoping one of the two women would come in and say that. No. I think I, I forgot where that came from. Well, very because I, I just don't yeah. care about. He's boobs, describing so Cheryl it, to Saul, and he there's says, a help, "There's a helpful hand gesture he makes to yeah. make mm-hmm. the point." Yeah. He says, "Like to the the." Chief detective. Oh, to Brock guy. Peters, right? And he's like, yeah. like a grapefruit, yeah. and he's like, you haven't mm-hmm. seen a grapefruit, and he's like, yeah, but you, you gotta, you know, right? That's what he's it seen is. a picture. <laughs> They're yeah. round, but he hasn't seen a grapefruit. You see, that's the tragedy of that moment. Is like, w- how do you describe the woman's breasts if you have <laughs> never seen don't a have fruit? fruit? And you can say bags of sand. Really, really makes. <laughs> Pillows. That's it. Yeah, that's it. Like like a couple of sandbags. Like bags of sand. 
Oh, man. It's Soylent Green. People should check it out. Let me thank my panel for discussing a 50-year-old movie with me, as we sometimes do here, because anniversaries are reasons to talk about old movies. Annette Weirstra, thank you so much. It's people. We did it. We watched it. It was pretty good. I know. I'm glad I watched it, because it's one of those cultural touchstones that I feel like I fully understand now. And there are no aliens. And you can watch V whenever you want. Exactly. (laughs) I should. I love V. Yeah, it's great. Gene McDonald, thank you for suggesting that we do this because otherwise you and I would not have seen this movie and uh, and it was fun. Well, yeah, thanks. Thanks for being game to do it. And uh, I'm pretty glad I think that 13 year old me didn't go to see this in the theater. <laughs> That's what I was thinking throughout and part, you know, but. I'm glad I saw it now because I can be here with you guys and make fun of it. It's not as scary as The Exorcist, so it's got that going Mm -hmm. for it. No. Monty Ashley, thank you. But where are my cool round mod chairs? That's all I want. (laughs) That's a good question. That's a good question. Dr. Drang, thank you. Well, thank you, Jason. And you're a hell of a piece of furniture. (laughs) (laughs) And Philip Michaels, I know you didn't pick the movie, but thank you for still coming on a ride uh, on the old movie club train to the 70s. One of your favorite eras, I know, for old movies. Yeah, it it, it is. And Dr. Dream stole my exit line. God damn it. So (laughs) (laughs) slink off into the, into the, off to the LA sports arena to be put to death. (laughs) That's right. Enjoy your, your panoramic film about deer. Yes. And your life classical music. Musicals play. Yeah, I, we'll I was thinking. Serve you for dinner. Imagine that scene if he had said, "Classic rock." <laughs> like, okay, <laughs> all right, we can do that too. Sure, it's fine. Well, all right. Thank and thank you to everybody out there for listening to this episode of The Incomparable. I just remind you, podcasts are made of people too. We'll see you next time. <laughs>